is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and with us today is our own Archbishop, William Laurie, 16th Archbishop of Baltimore. Thanks so much for being here today. Very nice to be with you, Chris, and with your listeners. We're talking a little bit before Holy Week, but this will air on Easter, so keeping that in mind, last year Lent had already begun when the pandemic hit, but at this point we've celebrated all the liturgical seasons during the pandemic with all the restrictions that come with it. Has this Lent been harder than most? Have these seasons been harder than most? Well, I think the pandemic really challenged us as as a a society and as a church to, uh, first of all, meet untold human need. And secondly, to uh, engage in our mission and ministry differently. And what I've been impressed with over this past year is how resilient uh, people have been, how resilient our parishes have been, our our pastors, our parish leadership. And I think as we rounded the corner into 2021, even though there's still a lot ahead of us, I sense there is a, a, a feeling of hope a feeling of optimism, a feeling that we might be seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And so in some ways, uh, I found uh, during this Lent, um, pastors reporting back that they're seeing an increase in attendance and we're seeing people more and more eager Uh, to get back together. And as more people are vaccinated, I expect to see that uh, accelerate. So, you know, yes, it's still challenging. And yes, uh, we're dealing with all these restrictions. And yes, unfortunately, people are still getting sick and dying. But I think we are looking forward uh, with a lot of hope and optimism that we'll be able to, one of these days, get beyond our restrictions. That'd be great. As we look forward to Easter, what are you looking forward to? And what are your thoughts? What are you going to preach about for Easter? Well, I haven't written my Easter homily yet, but surely at the heart of it is that um, Jesus of Nazareth took upon himself our sins. He underwent the experience that epitomizes our alienation from God and from one another, namely death. He walked through the door of death through which no one ever returns, but he returned. And the fact that Jesus returned from the dead in a new and glorified state should truly fill our heart with joy. This is at the heart of our faith. Um, that dying, he destroyed our death, and rising, he restored our life. 
Easter, Holy Week, these are times when we go to the essence, the heart of our faith, and uh, where we resolve to hold fast to it as never before. Whether we're devout, practicing Catholics, go to Mass every week, occasional Catholics, Christmas and Easter Catholics, or people who have been away. So how do we live that Easter spirit all through the year? Well, uh, the key to it is the Eucharist, because the Eucharist, so St. John Paul II used to say that in receiving the Eucharist, we quote unquote, digest the secret of the resurrection. In other words, when we participate in the Eucharist, listen to God's word, share in Jesus' sacrifice, receive his body and blood, we are sharing in the imperishable life Jesus won for us. And the more we do that, the more our own daily life should be transformed. It should deepen how we pray, change how we think, improve our relationships with other people, deepen, strengthen our values, and make us uh, women and men of charity. So by sharing the Lord's life, our life changes. It's, there's a direct correspondence there. And that's what God's grace does. It's the bridge between who Jesus was and what he did to save us and who we are and what our lives are going to be like. And we cross that bridge by sharing in the Eucharist, why it's so important to come every week. Mm -hmm. And we're, you're going to be launching a year of the Eucharist later this year. We're going to talk about that in the second half of the show. But Archbishop Lori, I want to turn a little bit and talk a little bit about what's been going on with the pandemic. You mentioned early in our conversation that clergy and parish leaders have really kind of stepped up and come up with new and different ways to, to minister. But you've been consulting with experts, with clergy and parish leaders and people from the CDC. I mean, you've, you've got a whole list of people that you talk to about this all the time. But recently you had a couple of video meetings with priests from around the archdiocese. What are you hearing from priests and, and their co-ministers about getting people back to church? Well, I'm, I'm hearing a substantial group of pastors who um, are really anxious to move ahead. They would love to see us go from six feet of social distancing to three feet. We're, we're not going to get ahead of the CDC, but I appreciate their zeal. And I appreciate their desire to do this. And when we know that's safe, we will do that. I think everybody would like to have their people back. But we also recognize that as regards indoor liturgies, there's simply limitations of space. So as long as we practice six-foot distancing, uh, that means as a practical matter, most of our churches will be between 25% and 35 or 40% filled, and no more than that. Mm -hmm. Outdoor liturgies are a different matter. I think you have a lot more latitude there because depending on how your property is configured, the parish property is configured, you can have a lot of people outdoors and you can space and all of that. And as the weather gets better, that, that's going to help. 
Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing uh, the, the, the trees are already budding. And so uh, I'm seeing little leaves appear, thank goodness. But I think the other thing is that our pastors are also committed to keeping their people well and safe from harm. You know, we went through this very challenging year, no roadmap for a year like 2020. But as far as I know, there was no transmission of the coronavirus reported and traceable to participation in mass, in Sunday mass. That's a great testament to our parish leadership. What a record, what an enviable record. I'm not sure anybody has one that good. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very grateful. How do you balance the people's longing to come back to the Eucharist with keeping them safe? Well, you know, that is a balance. At the end of the day, it probably comes down to the decisions of individuals. So a person has to ask, am I vaccinated? Uh, Do I have underlying conditions? Might I get it? Might I give it? And so we've counted on our parishioners in many ways to make that decision we can't really make that decision for them. And I think that they have been extremely responsible about this. And some people are naturally more cautious than others, but the goal, the goal has to be going down the road as soon as we can do so safely to get everybody back to church. Virtual masses are wonderful. Thank the dear Lord we have this great technology. Where would we be without it? And I think that, uh, again, our pastors, parish leadership, really stepped up to the plate. Uh, We went from just a few parishes doing live streaming. Now, just about everybody does. This is a good thing. And we've reached into homes that perhaps we weren't reaching before. At the end of the day, though, there was no substitute for being side by side with your fellow Catholics, your brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, taking part in worship in person and receiving our Lord in Holy Communion. Uh, There is no substitute for that. Sacraments are meant to be something we do together and it's something we do personally. So my hope and prayer is that we will be able to do that sooner rather than later. That'd be great. You mentioned people getting vaccinated and that helps toward moving things forward. There have been some people who questioned the morality of the COVID vaccines because they were either developed or tested with cells from a stem line that came from an aborted fetus many decades ago. You've addressed this as have the U.S. Bishops Conference and the Vatican. But to be clear for our listeners, Archbishop Lurie, is it a sin to receive the vaccine or is it morally acceptable? No, uh, it's morally acceptable. And and the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith has examined this very carefully. The um, Doctrine Committee and the Pro-Life Committee of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, they have examined this carefully. The National Catholic Bioethics Center has looked at this very, very carefully. Uh, And while we are right not to be complacent about the fact 
that there is a remote and a very remote connection with abortion and an aborted fetus. While we're right not to be complacent, uh, everyone has concluded, and I think quite correctly, that there is not a moral objection to receiving the vaccine. And that in fact, as the Pope has said, it's an act of charity for one's neighbor because we really have to get beyond this pandemic and the loss of life that it has visited upon us. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll come back after the break and talk some more with Archbishop William Lurie of Baltimore about missionary discipleship and evangelization. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Jesuit Father Brian Lenane, who announced in February that he was retiring as president of Loyola University Maryland in Baltimore at the end of the 2021-22 academic year, said in a March 29 letter to the Loyola community that he has decided to step aside sooner. His last day will be June 30th. His plan for the next part of his career will include a sabbatical and an opportunity to re-engage his scholarship as a moral theologian. In a separate March 29 letter to the Loyola community, James Forbes, chairman of the Board of Trustees, and Jerry Holthouse, chairman of the Presidential Search Committee, said Loyola is committed to an open, transparent search process and will take the necessary time to identify the right president for the next chapter in Loyola's history. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced March 25th that one of the three new Staten Island ferry boats transporting people between Staten Island and Lower Manhattan will be named for Catholic Worker Movement co-founder Dorothy Day, whose sainthood cause is being considered by the Vatican. Day, who was given the title Servant of God when her sainthood cause was officially opened in 2000, died in 1980 at age 83. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks, wishing you a blessed Easter season. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. We're talking today with Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore about a lot of different things, but we want to talk this segment about evangelization, and missionary discipleship. You released a new pastoral letter this year called A Light Brightly Visible 2.0, an update of your first pastoral letter. Why did you feel the need to update that letter about pastoral planning and missionary discipleship? So it's been about five years since I issued um, my first pastoral letter entitled A Light Brightly Visible. It was to lay a groundwork Uh, for pastorate planning, for bringing parishes uh, together around the archdiocese. It was to lay a groundwork for revitalizing our mission. Um, It was based on um, Pope Francis's seminal encyclical, Joy of the Gospel. And I think it did lay a good groundwork. However, there's two things. We've been through five very eventful years 
in, in our history. We've been through working backwards a pandemic. We've been through the McCarrick report and the 2018 grand jury report from Pennsylvania. We've been through periods of social and racial unrest. Uh, we've been through an awful lot in these past five years. And uh, sometimes when you go through a pretty controversial period as we have gone through, um, fundamental vision, fundamental mission can get lost in all the controversy. Um, and, and so I thought for that reason, it was important to renew it. Secondly, I, we've learned a lot by doing pastorate planning, by bringing some parishes together, by helping parishes uh, to get hold of their mission uh, more firmly, to be more mission-oriented. We've learned a lot. We've learned, uh, as we always do, we human beings, by seeing success, by seeing parishes uh, take off and share ideas that we who in the archdiocese didn't even think of. We've also learned better and better what the needs are and, and got a sense of how challenging it is to meet some of those needs working together. Um, and so I felt that was another reason to renew the, the third one is simply that we, as time goes by, we tend to forget things fade. We need to be reminded. And so I thought this was a good time to do this. And uh, so during the summer, I started last summer working on it and I really worked on it through the entire autumn and um, rewrote it many times, sent it out to all kinds of people to look at it and um, prayed really hard about it. So I'm hoping that uh, this uh, refresher course in evangelization and missionary discipleship will be fruitful. In like Brightly Visible 2.0, Archbishop, you talk about discipleship in our families, in our parish, and in the archdiocese. And you just announced that you're going to transform the Department of Evangelization into an institute for evangelization. What's the difference and how will that institute help parishes achieve uh, the goal of discipleship? Well, let me start with the your reference to, to my letter. And I, I spoke about the fact that everybody has a role to play in the mission of the church to spread the gospel. Everybody is called to be a missionary disciple. This is not something that is simply done by the, the experts or the professionals. All of us are called to engage in mission. So I talked about our engagement as individual Catholic Christians, talked about the role of the family, the domestic church, in transmitting the faith and being a beacon of light and hope and joy for our neighborhoods. And the fact that our parishes are really a family of families uh, and that the stronger our parishes become, the more the Archdiocese of Baltimore becomes a light brightly visible. And we understand it has always been challenging to do this mission beginning with the Acts of the Apostles, which we will read in abundance during the Easter season. Pay attention to how wonderful that mission was, but also to how challenging the mission was. 
looking at the challenges that we're facing as individuals, families, and parishes, I thought to myself, what structure, what structure gets us closer to that reality? And I, I consulted with some very smart people. And the answer I got back was, maybe it's not a department that offers different types of services. Maybe the better thing is to do it the way Jesus did it. And that's, he sent out his disciples two by two. And so the heart of the Institute will be Emmaus teams, uh, well-trained, well-formed, prayerful people who will go out and work with parish leadership, uh, especially as they're going through the pastorate planning process, but really very broadly uh, to help parishes uh, in their efforts and then sometimes in their struggles even uh, to uh, engage the mission of evangelization. A lot of times people will say, how do you do it? What's the practical way you do it? Evangelization is a big word. And for a lot of people, it has an abstract definition and it has no, it has no arms or legs. The Emmaus teams will help parishes to uh, engage in this mission, not just those who are coming to mass, but those who are had to remove from the life of the parish, some farther than others, if I may say. So the idea is not to have something, this is what Pope Francis would call the accompaniment model. This is where we go to a parish and say, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And this program, that program, and the other program. This is going in, listening, engaging, learning, but also bringing resources, engaging in friendly conversation. We're all on the same side here. We're all trying to do the Lord's mission and helping parishes who really want to move from point A to point B to do so. And um, I, I think this is uh, more how the Lord did it. And this is what the Pope has been talking about. And we're going to try it, uh, make a really good effort at it here in the Archdiocese. Sounds good. So one of the elements that you're going to be launching the year of the Eucharist on the Feast of Corpus Christi, and the theme I understand is Encounter Christ's Presence, but what, what does that mean for Catholics in the Archdiocese? The proposal to do a year of the Eucharist uh, actually came from a series of Zoom meetings I had with uh, pastors who said, it's great that uh, we're able to connect virtually, but what will happen when the pandemic uh, is over? And they also went back beyond the, before the pandemic and they asked the question, weren't we kind of seeing a diminution of Eucharistic faith long before the pandemic? And the answer to that sadly is yes. And study after study documents the sad reality. Uh, and so from them came the idea, couldn't we do a time focusing on the Eucharist? To which I happily said, yes. And so it's going to be a time 
beginning, as you said, on Corpus Christi, but June the 6th. And the idea is we'll spend uh, some months really uh, laying the groundwork by way of, of evangelization and catechesis on the Eucharist as, we, as people are able to come back to church to talk about the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, in the word, the word that is proclaimed, in the minister who celebrates, who represents Christ, in the assembly for where two or three are gathered in the name of the Lord, there is he in their midst, and above all, in the Eucharistic species, the bread and wine, uh, that become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen. And what we want to do is to help uh, everybody grow in their love and appreciation of the Eucharist, in some cases to reignite a Eucharistic faith. And we're not alone because other dioceses are doing similar things. And the Bishop's Conference is going to work on what it calls a Eucharistic revival project. So we're kind of getting ourselves ready to take part in that multi-year effort that the conference is going to be promoting in dioceses all around the United States. It is the Vatican Council, the Second Vatican Council in several places calls the Eucharist the source and summit of the church's life. It's where our faith is constantly reborn and nourished. And it is where we bring our lives. It's the summit to which we bring uh, all that we have and all that we are. When our Eucharistic faith is alive and well, our mission of evangelization is alive and well, our parishes are alive and well, and our families are alive and well. So this very much goes in line with the pastoral letter I wrote, uh, A Light Brightly Visible 2.0. Well, we have been talking today with Archbishop William Lurie, Archbishop of Baltimore, about evangelization and Easter and the year of the Eucharist that's coming up. Thanks for being with us today, Archbishop. Thank you, Chris, and happy Easter to you and to all your listeners. God bless you. Thank you. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week, available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 .1 FM, also WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area, and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.